you might be familiar with it. If you're not, we're going to do our best to introduce you to it in just the short time that we have here this morning. And since we don't have a lot of time, many of you out here have these little devices in your pockets known as smartphones. My wife's going to, Vanna here is going to model it for you here. So if you've got that, I would encourage you, go ahead and take that out. This next slide we're going to pop up, there's an email address on there. It's rfkcinfo at gmail.com. Stands for Royal Family Kids Info at Gmail. If you send an email to that address, you will get an auto-reply back with a lot of links and videos and additional information that will tell you all about Royal Family Kids, and we just don't have time to dive into it today. So I encourage you to check out that email address there, and you will find out everything that you want to know and also how to learn more about it. So like I said, my name is Tracy. This is my wife, Angie, and we are the directors of what used to be just the Kearney Royal Family Kids Camp, but as of this year is now the Kearney North Platte Royal Family Kids Camp. We are very excited to be expanding what God has done in the last 12 years in the lives of children in Kearney to start to be able to reach the 100-plus kids aged 7 to 11 in foster care in the Lincoln County area. So we are very excited to be merging over there and recruiting a wonderful pool of volunteers over in North Platte as well to help be the instruments of God to make a difference in the lives of these kids. I've been with Royal Family for the last 12 years. My wife has been for the last five years, and this is our second year as the directors, and it is ultimately a blessing for us to be out there. So if you would, come with me just a little bit out to camp and imagine a bunch of kids piling off the bus. You know, they're all 7 to 11. Some of them are excited. Some of them are a little going, what's going on? There's a bunch of people excited and cheering and waving my name on a sign. I don't quite know what's going on here. And picture a boy named Tommy gets off the bus, and he's a little timid. He doesn't quite know what to expect. He's very apprehensive. His, his big camper that he's been paired up with is a man named Tim. And Tim is a, is a giant of a man, you know, similar size of me, construction worker, real rough on the outside, but real soft, tender heart on the inside. And Tim just, you know, wanting to make a good impression, hey, Tommy, how you doing, comes up to give him a high five, and Tommy's back. He's ready to fight because he doesn't know what's coming at him. Spring, spring is allergy season for me. I don't know about you guys. Seems to happen every time I tell this story, the dust gets in my eyes. And so throughout that week, Tim and Tommy going around doing the activities. Tommy not really participating. Tim trying to break through that tough, tough exterior that Tommy has of abuse, of hurt, and not being able to really realize, is he making a difference in Tommy's life? He doesn't know. Tommy had burns all the way up on his body from being held in scalding water. A very tough ex ex experience and a tough exterior that we are trying to break through in Royal Family Kids. A little bit of the story of what many of these kids experience when they come out to Royal Family. America has a very well-kept worst secret. The stats that will be up there, the top number actually is outdated. We currently have 500,000 kids in the foster care system in the United States. 50% of those, 50% of, of girls in the foster care system will become pregnant by age 19. Unmarried, many of them 
their children will also enter the foster care system as a repeat cycle of abuse and neglect. 74% of prison inmates were once foster care children. And 50% of young adults who age out of the foster care system become incarcerated within the first two years because of lack of hope and support and direction. And 80% of death row inmates were once foster care children. Foster children are our modern day orphan. And let's look a little bit about what, what God's heart is for the orphans. We believe it's plainly stated in James 1, 27. Pure and undefiled religion is this in the sight of our God and Father, that you care for the widows and orphans in their distress and keep one unstained by the world. The stats I showed you before, these children are stained by the world. And it's our job as Christians to plant seeds of hope within them and show them that there is a life, a life that has purpose and meaning and that there is a God who loves them. They won't find that anywhere else. Fortunately, Tommy's story doesn't end with what Tracy left you with. This next video will introduce you a little bit to what some of the kids actually have to say about their experience with some of the foster care situations. Not an uncommon story for a child to be moved from foster home to foster home, group home, in and out of their original home into foster care and out. Just a, a pattern of instability, a pattern of lack of foundation, a pattern of lack of hope. And that is what we see in so many of these kids that come out to Royal Family Kids. Well, like my wife said, I'm not going to leave you hanging with Tommy. I always want to leave you wanting more, but we'll tell you a little bit more about Tommy's story here. Like I said, the week of camp went on, and the end of camp came, and Tim was feeling really discouraged. Tommy's big camper, Tim, was feeling really discouraged because he just really felt like he hadn't been able to help Tommy enjoy the week. He hadn't been able to break through a little bit and really make a connection. And the last day of that camp, uh, there was a... Uh, a stone carver out at camp that had taken a big boulder and had chopped and had chiseled the word 
confidence inside this boulder, into the front of this boulder. And they had dug a hole there, and all the kids had a chance to write a, a bad memory or just something that they wanted to not have to deal with anymore on a piece of paper and scribble that on there and toss it in that hole that was dug. And kind of at the last minute, Tommy took a piece of paper and scribbled something, crumpled it up, tossed it in the hole there. And as they lifted up that boulder and set it down with a thump, you could just see a bird lifted off of Tommy's shoulders for whatever he had written and buried there that he didn't want to deal with anymore. Was his life touched? Yeah. Through a week of experiencing unconditional love from an adult, of experiencing and being introduced to the unconditional love of a God and Savior that wants to know him. A life was touched and a life has changed. That is what we do at Royal Family, is we are simply the tools that God uses to reach out, touch the hearts of these little modern-day orphans, and let them know that someone is there who cares for them. Someone is there that loves them. You are wanted. You are not trash. Part of our purpose of being here with you this morning is to present to you how you can participate in this ministry. We are entirely privately funded. We do not get any government funds or anything like that. It is all put on by people like you, people who have a heart for reaching out to these kids. It takes about $65,000 to do that. If you are interested in making a financial gift, we encourage you to come see us afterwards at, the, at our table out there, and we can definitely help you out with that. Above all, please be in prayer for us during this week of camp. The first week of June is when we will be out at camp. Pray for the staff. Pray for the kids. Pray for the safety of everyone involved out there so that God's work can move forward. And if you're interested in serving, we'd love to talk with you more out there as well. Not only are there week-long camp staff opportunities to be out there, but also some shorter-term opportunities, registration, check back in, birthday party type things, where you don't have to be out there for the whole week if your schedule doesn't allow, but you can still be involved in the ministry of Royal Family Kids. So I encourage you to come out, chat with us at our table. We would love to meet you. We would love to share with you more about the passion that we have for these kids and above all, God bless you, and thank you so much for allowing us to be here. And, and they're handing out free iPhones <laughs> up here, so <laughs> praise God. Why don't we stand together and, uh, and greet somebody that you haven't seen all week, and um, if you're a guest with us, you... you Praise God. We're right in the middle of a, of a sermon series called Limitless, and next week we're going to finish up um, talking about Jesus, the example par excellence on living the limitless life, um, conquering the, uh, the cross, death, burial, and resurrection, and it's going to be amazing. Um, and uh, Limitless, is, it's uh, leading up to a... Um, 
I believe, a life-changing workshop coming up April 11th, um, a, a leadership workshop that um, will um, take you to a whole nother level. Um, and if any of you were a part of uh, Reveal, this, uh, what, what Limitless is, is you're gonna, you'll get a little bit of, a, of kind of a review over, um, have you ever heard me say this quote, that the way you do anything is the way you do everything at some level? Did, did you, do you know that? The way, the way I show up here is the way I show up there. The, the way I do anything is the way I do everything at some level. And so, so there'll be a, a, a little bit of a review because that's the foundation of the whole character genetics model. But, um, but Limitless is designed to also show you um, the other advanced uh, leadership workshops. And there's, a, there's um, Respond and Resolve and you'll come for, instead of committing your whole life away for, um, you know, hours and hours and weeks and weeks, you get a, a snapshot of a one-day workshop, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., and, and you'll, your life will never be the same. <laughs> uh, does it sound like I'm selling something to you? So um, I encourage you, one, uh, go out to the table out front and get some more information. Go on our website, spiritoflifecarney.com. You, you could even right now, if you don't want to listen to me preach, you could get on your smartphones and tablets and sign up right now as we speak and go to this. Um, does, that sound, does, does Limitless sound like a good idea for us to live? Should we all live limitless? Yeah. So um, I really would, would like, you know, we have a lot of people out with sickness. But first of all, raise your hand if you went through Reveal with me um, a few months back. Anybody go through Reveal? We've got some Revealers over here. We've got Reveal, a couple people on the back. And so um, I just, you know, you guys, what you guys need to do that have gone through, you need to grab somebody after church and just say, it changed my life. Let me tell you how and get them. This is another thing you could do is if you went through Reveal and you really liked it, my encouragement for you is pay for somebody to go to Limitless. Just say, hey, you got to do this. And if you really, really like it, then you can pay me back or something like that. Whatever you want to do. So, all right, right in the middle of this series called Limitless, and I want you to, I want you to understand just a few things um, to, to um, kind of speed this up and to catch you up. Um, Here's the series thought. This is the whole thing that I want us to get um, from the beginning to the end is this. What would it look like to live limitless? What would it look like to live limitless? The limitless life is actually full, uh, a life fully empowered by the Holy Spirit to be everything God wants you to be and to do everything God wants you to do. And, uh, and, and this is the whole deal. The first week we talked about Gideon. And with Gideon, we talked about facing our fears and how I believe that the one limiting thing, if we could just do one message on, on living the limitless life, it would be to conquer our fears. Any of you ever dealt with fears in your life? Maybe it's just me. And so facing our fears, um, Gideon um, was, a, I, I believe, an incredible example of facing your fears. And the thing I liked about towards the end of that message, we talked about this, is that um, it says that the Spirit of God came upon Gideon. And he was able to defeat the Midianites and all this. But I love in the original language, it was more than just the Spirit of God coming upon Gideon. In the original language, it really says that God put Gideon on like a glove. Would anybody like God to just put you on like a glove and use your life and spend you well? So the first week was, was Gideon with Limitless. The, the next week um, was, I, I talked about dreaming with God. That, that my dreams become a calling when I start dreaming with God. 
and my calling becomes a reality when I push past limiting mindsets and obstacles. Big deal. Huge deal in my life that we start dreaming. I, I, I love dreams. I love, I love just kind of, my, my, my wife wants me to get my head out of the cloud sometimes. And, and she calls me a dreamer and all this type of stuff. I love dreams. But a dream becomes a calling when we start dreaming with God. And a calling is really something that, that you have to do, that you're compelled to do. And uh, a dream is something I want to do. That's what John Maxwell says. A dream is something I want to do. And a calling is something I have to do. And, and so we talked about that. And then last week, what did we talk about? I'm trying to remember. Um, oh, I didn't even preach last week. That's right. We had a just kind of the Lord just did something different last week. And we were able to just kind of hang out and have fun and pray for each other and have testimonies. And we just, I, I, I thought it was good. It was refreshing. Um, and so we did that last week. And this week, um, let, me just, let me just kind of refresh on some of our foundational scriptures. Mark chapter 9 23 through 24, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I love this thing, all things are possible. Remember we said in the original language that in, in the Greek that, that all things mean all things, right? That, that all things are possible to him who believes. And this is the thing, like we, we, we say it with our mouth and I mean we even have, we come up here and preach it or you'll get in your, in your connect groups and you'll talk about it or you'll go home and you'll read your verse for, for the week or whatever. And the thing is you have to understand that the Bible actually means all things are possible. All things are possible. John chapter 14 um, verse 12 through 14 says this, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I love this, that, that greater things than these. And, and we talk about this all the time, and there's all kinds of different, you know, people have different opinions on what that means. But listen to this. Jesus was leaving, and he says, I did great things, and you're going to do greater things. I just try to understand that. I try to put that on and, and try to understand, well, what's that mean? I, I, I don't know if I understand everything about it, but I do know that he said greater things than these. Greater things. I think about the miracles. I think about the water to wine. That would be a good one, right? I think I got, got a couple, couple chuckles over on this side. That was, that was ridiculous. You don't laugh about water to wine. No. Uh, we, we talk about raising the dead and, and you know, healing the lame and, and healing the lepers and all this stuff. And, and we talk about, I mean, Jesus was probably the best preacher in the world. And, and that's the one I want. I want to have, have that part where I could preach better, better than Jesus. Wouldn't that be great? Like all of these things. And Jesus says, you're going to do greater than these. Greater than these. It's a... Um, it really is a mindset, and, and the one thing I shared before is that what is needed is not less of us and more of him. Or it's what is needed is all of us covered and filled by all of him. I just want to be covered and filled by all of him. Today, a mindset of abundance is what we're going to be dealing with. John 10.10 10 says this, The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. The main thought today for us to walk away with is this. 
is that because the kingdom of God is limitless, I can live a life of abundance. Because the kingdom of God is limitless, I can live a life of abundance. I want you to, I just kind of want to define a little bit where we're at. Abundance doesn't necessarily equal money. Because right away, people are going to start talking about dollar signs and what, Pastor Jonathan, what are you, what are you talking about? And are you going to take an offering after this and all this, right? And, uh, you know, and in fact, could the ushers just come? No. <laughs> but, um, you know, abundance doesn't necessarily equal money, although it, although it, it includes it. It definitely includes, it really includes how we think about money in a lot of ways. Uh, abundance, the, the mindset of abundance, but it, but it includes way more than just that. Um, Luke chapter 16, I read this this week and it really just hit me hard. Luke 16 verse 10 through 11 says this, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? And in, in, the, in the New King James, it says mammon. In other places, it says wealth. And, and really what he's talking about, there's actually a spirit, a demonic spirit that is attached to the God of money. It's, the, it's, uh, it's more than just, you know, um, you know, you give me $20 and you give me $20 and all that. It's more than just talking about money. It's talking about a mindset and even a demonic assignment over, over this, this deal of riches and things like this. And he says, he says and so there's ungodly resources He's like, and if you can be trusted with resources that come from all kinds of different sources, then you, know, then you can be trusted with this. But if you can't be trusted with even with resources that come from all these other places, how can I trust you with, with true riches? And we could brush past this and, and just kind of read that verse and be like, oh yeah, that's true, that's true. But true riches, I, I always get caught up about this phrase, true riches, I think that this is, yeah, it's talking about money, it's talking about finances, it's like, yeah, if he can trust you with $10, he can trust you with $20, if he can trust you with 20 he can trust you with 100 it, 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 there, it means that, but it, if, you, if that's all we think about it, we totally miss the point of this verse. That really what this is talking about is that if, if he can trust you um, with little, and, and he uses the example of money, if he can trust you with that, he can trust you with the true riches of the kingdom of heaven, with all of the provision, with all of the resources in heaven, with, with the resources of unlimited joy. He can trust you with unlimited peace. He can trust you with unlimited supernatural miracles, and he could trust you with unlimited provision, and, and there's more than just money. He's like, you've got access to a, a limitless supply of resources, and there are true riches, and how you deal with this right here, and how you are steward and manage this right here will be a direct reflection on how you steward and manage true riches. And so it's a, it's a huge principle here in Luke chapter 16 where he's like, he's like, if you can be faithful with unrighteous mammon, you can be trusted with true riches. It, it started to change how I pray because, uh, you know, there's, there's at least been once or twice in my life when, when the bank account said zero or negative. Anybody like that in here? There's at least been once. Uh, it's usually when I was in charge of the finances and, and that week and, and Becky was off on vacation or something. Because normally when she's in charge, then we're good, right? We're really good. I'm the spender and, and she's, the, she's a little bit more thrifty than I am. And, but there's been times when, when I've had to be in a position of prayer over my finances or 
over the resources in my life because, uh, because in the natural I see one thing even though I realize that there's unlimited resources in heaven, amen? And so it, this changed how I pray because instead of just praying for money, I started praying for provision. Instead of just praying for a certain dollar amount, I started just praying that the Lord would, would provide, that, that he would be Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. That, that I started realizing, wait a minute, the, there's a reality here, but there's a greater reality here. And so as I was praying over my own finances, instead of just praying for money, I started just saying, God, would you just provide? Would you, would you just be true to the job description that you have, that you are the provider? That my, my employer isn't my provider, that my talents aren't my provider, that all of these things that I know how to do with my own hands, I'm not my provider, uh, but you're my provider. You are the one that holds the key to unlimited resources. It started changing how I would pray. Um, I started to realize, like in Romans 8, that I'm a co-heir with Christ. That, that I'm not like just, uh, you know, I didn't just barely come in. Like, like you know, like I am, uh, and, and I love the, the, the picture of like royal family or compass where they talk about adoption and, and foster care and all this type of stuff. It, it's interesting, like my sister was adopted and, and she was legally, legally adopted. She's, she's my sister. We had her since she was like, you know, right from her, her mother's womb. We had her from day one. And she, the, the interesting thing is that, is that when my parents die someday, long, 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 long down in the future, like when, like, Ashley gets the same um, uh, inheritance that Jordan and I do. It's an interesting thing, this whole adoption deal in Scripture, that we are co-heirs. Like, it, it, it's, he's, he, it's not like Jesus gets, gets a, a certain amount and I get a, like, we're co-heirs with Christ. It started to, started to shift how I would even pray. You know, we often lens the kingdom of heaven through our socioeconomic status. Did you understand that? I want to I break this down a little bit. But we lens the kingdom of God through our socioeconomic status, through, through where we're at in life, the, the, even our socioeconomic up- upbringing. In other words, if one grows up poor, there can be a tendency that even in the kingdom of God that we're in a survival mode. That we, that, that we pray, even pray that way. We pray out of survival. I hope I can make it today. I just hope I can make it today. If we grew up with a, a middle-class upbringing and, and mindset like that, there's a tendency that, towards a works mentality, that I'm just going to work hard enough, and, and if, if I can work hard enough, I'm going to make it. If I can work hard enough, I can succeed, and, and what I succeed in, what I earn, then I, I, I earned that. It, it becomes something that, that I earned, and, 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 and that's a, it, it's, it's a way that it can, there can be a tendency for there to be a mindset, even in the kingdom of heaven, um, if we grew up middle, and that, that was where I grew up. I, was, I, I probably grew up uh, a, a little bit poor and middle class. I, I was probably a little bit of both of those. And I start to see the way I look at stuff like, oh, my goodness. It's, I lens the kingdom of heaven. But watch this. If you grew up um, with a wealthy uh, family or a wealthy mentality, you have a tendency uh, towards a mentality of abundance because it, it, it was always there. There, there. You know, you could have whatever you want, right? You grew up in a home, maybe you could have whatever you wanted. 
Maybe, maybe you say, Daddy, I want. And he's like, okay. And, and I want this. And okay. And, and we could talk about all the different you know, reasons why that would be good or bad or whatever. But, the, but the, the interesting thing is that the way we grew up and the way we even used money or money was used around us, you watch how you view the kingdom of heaven. And it's, a, it's an interesting, and it doesn't necessarily make it right or wrong. It just is what it is. In her book, A Framework for Understanding Poverty, there's a lady named Ruby K. Payne, um, PhD. She talks about some of the hidden rules that are distinct among the different, um, the different classes in society. Um, and so I want to share these because it, it's interesting um, what she puts down here because it shows us just a little bit of like how we naturally think about things. Like, for instance, money. The way um, the three different classes look at money is this. If, if, if you grew up poor or in a poverty type of a mentality, money is to be spent, to be used. If we grew up, grew up in a middle class kind of environment and all that, money was to be managed. If you grew up wealthy, in a wealthy mentality, money was to be conserved and invested. This is in her research as she was, she was studying. She was actually, Ruby was studying um, the different classes because in, in, uh, in Texas, she wanted to train the teachers how to minister to the different classes of children that would come through um, uh, their plays. And so if, if, she, if the teacher came from like a middle class or wealthy mentality, but there was a student that came from a poverty mentality, how do we reach them? How do we really understand what they're going through and how they think and how they process? And so she, that, this is why she wrote that book. And well, it's interesting. What about food? The way, the way food is, uh, um, is viewed is, really, is different. Watch this. Um, if, if you came up in a poverty mentality, then food, it was, it was, all, about, um, it was all about quantity. It, it was, where can I go and get the most food for my money, right? Now, if you like buffets, I'm not saying that, that, was, that, that that's your you know, mentality, but, but where can I go to get the, you know, he, what, Terry, you're wanting to... Uh, Wanting to go and clean out the buffets. So, but where can I go and get the, the most food for my money? What about middle class? It was the quality of food. It was the quality of food. It was, you know, you, you raise your hand, you're like, I know where the best steak in town is. You know, it might be a little bit spendy, but hey, you're going to have a great steak. You know, you, you go, I know where the, you want to find the, don't go to that Chinese food restaurant. Go to the Chinese food on this corner, on this street. In fact, hey, I was on this vacation one time. You should, if you're ever in Austin, Texas or whatever, you should go to this little hole in the wall, uh, you know, barbecue joint. It has the best whatever, right? And, and so in the middle class mentality, it isn't as much about, about quantity, it's quality. I want the best, the best food. With the wealth, it's interesting. It's, it's presentation. It's, they, they want to go to a place that has the best atmosphere and the best presentation, the, the food on the plate. It's like what happens on like one of those TV shows, uh, like uh, what's one of those ones, like Master Chef or whatever. And it's all like presented in like, the, in like and the, the poor mentality is looking at the green stuff and like, you can't even eat this stuff, you know, you know, and I'm going to pay that much money for like, you know, for four ounces of what? You know, like, you know, you could get a, a golden, golden, uh, what, golden buffet or whatever it's called, golden corral. Or, he's like, you could get like that, but you could get that like a million times more. Like, like what do you think? I'm going to pay $80 for that, right? And a, and a wealthy mentality is looking at this like, man, the experience was amazing. The presentation was awesome. I love the little drizzle. 
you know, and, the, and the, they, they made a little design, a little design art on the plate, and when they brought it out, there was like fire, and there was like, like sparkling stuff, and they, and it was like, oh, it was amazing. And then there's other people like, are you joking? You're going to pay for that? Like I could, like I could, Kelly would be like, I could make that in my backyard. I didn't, I wasn't saying that that was your mentality, Kelly, okay? I, I mean, come on. There's all these different things that I'm going to, just for sake of time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just move to this last one. The, the, the driving force about, that she found, she found the, the number one driving force uh, with these different mentalities was this. If you, were, if you grew up in, with a poor mentality, the driving force was survival, relationships, and entertainment. If you grew up with a middle class mentality, her, her research said that the driving force was work and achievement. And you grew up in a wealthy mentality, the driving force for you was financial, political, and social connections. It was who you knew in these different realms. It's just an interesting thing. And this isn't, a, this isn't a one's right or wrong or whatever, it just is what it is. But what I want us to see today is we have a tendency to view the kingdom of God through the lens that we grew up with. Okay? So watch this. Is everyone doing all right? Everyone, you know, we're still not going to take an offering, I promise. I promise. I'm not pulling for that. <laughs> so regardless of our socioeconomic status, I want us to look at the mindset of abundance, which is crucial to living a limitless life. Abundance happens first in the spirit and then in the natural. And I, I, I briefly shared this last week. It, it, do you know, just if you're a believer in here, if Jesus is in your heart somewhere, you said, Jesus, come into my heart to stay, whatever. If you're a believer in this room, do you know this? I just want us to all be on the same page, regardless of if you feel it or not. Do you know that you have unlimited resources? Regardless of if, you, if your natural situation says you do or not, do you know that, be, that if when you read scripture that it's true that as a believer you have unlimited resources? Yeah? Are we all on the same page in here? Do we still? Hey, hey, hey. Right here. That's what I do with my daughter, right? I'm like, hey, Kaylee, Kaylee, come on. Whoa, look at daddy. Look at daddy. She's always like zoning out on something. My wife says she gets it from me. Watch. Do you know? That as a believer, you have unlimited resources. Okay. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Keith. I was just, you speak for a living too. I mean, so you're, man, sometimes, sometimes. All right. You have to understand that because if we have unlimited resources, the, the one reality is this and the other reality is this, right? We, I, I talked last week, I was talking with one of my mentors over lunch. We always meet at Hy-Vee, um, the, the market grill, and we have a good time there. And I, I was talking about abundance, and he's like, he's like Jonathan, you have to understand that, that we already are wealthy. That we already have uh, healing. We already have that thing that, that you want, that resource from heaven is already yours. He's like, he's like, there's just two different realities. Because the disconnect for me was, well, well, I don't want to like live in denial, right? I don't want to like just fake it till I make it. Like, like, you know, I have a cold. I'm like, well, no, I'm healed. I would always have a problem saying that. Any of you? Maybe it's just me. You're like, well, I have a cold. Like, well, no, I'm healed. Well, no, you're, no, no, you're not. You've got a cold, right? You know? And that was the disconnect in my brain. And he was just like, Jonathan, I, I totally get that. And I don't want you to feel like you're lying and all this type of stuff. But guess what? Um, in heavenly realms, you're healed. I was like, yeah, that's true. 
It just hasn't manifested here yet. It happens first in the spirit and then in the, and then in the natural. Does that make sense? It happens first in the spirit. So, so I, I, you know, my bank account says zero, and I've got to have, and well, in the spirit, man, right? I've got unlimited resources. It happens first here and then here, and so I have to come into agreement with a totally different reality. This is living from abundance, is realizing that there's a greater reality than what I'm seeing right here in front of my face. All right. Well, I learned something just now. It's similar to like Matthew 16 and Matthew 18 when, when Jesus was, was talking with his disciples and, and, and he says, whatever you bind on earth, and I love it in the New American Standard Bible because it says it in a little more literal way. It, it actually is worded like this. Whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. In other words, I come into agreement with, with what's been loosed already in heaven and what's been bound already in heaven. That's the way we do spiritual warfare. That's what, you know, it, it, the, the, thing, the, the thing that goes bump in the night, the, 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 thing, the spiritual warfare that you're experiencing right now, it has already been bound in heaven. And so I come into agreement with what's already been done in heaven and I release that over my home. I release that over my body. I release that over that, that um, fear and anxiety that's keeping me up at three in the morning. It's already done there and so I need to come into agreement with it here in this reality. Uh, the, the, uh, the abundance there, the, what's been loosed, you know that it's been loosed, it's already been loosed in heaven, the, the abundance we need to walk in, and so all I'm doing now is I'm loosing it here. And that's what Jesus says. He says, whatever's been bound in heaven is already, uh, whatever's, whatever you bind here has already been bound there, and whatever you loose here has already been loosed there. It's huge. All right, so we're gonna actually start preaching today. First Kings 17, verse eight through 16 is a, an incredible story of Elijah. And uh, this is Elijah, and, and he comes in, in contact with, um, with a widow. And we're going to learn something about abundance. Here's the question today, is how do I live from abundance? How do I live from abundance? Now, I'm not living towards abundance because I already have it, right? How do I live from abundance? I'm not living towards it. It's like, how do I live from victory? I already have victory. I'm not living towards victory. I'm living from it. So how do I live from abundance? Number one, the, the thing that, that just came up to, to me as I was just praying through this message was this. I think abundantly. In order to live from abundance, I have to think abundantly. Um, scarcity says there's not enough. I need to survive. Abundance understands that there is more than enough. In fact, there's limitless resources. It's more than just having unlimited resources. Did you ever, um, uh, like maybe you've read in the news or something, somebody gets a, like a record deal or something, like they were, they, it was kind of the rags to riches story, you know, and, and they grew up in the, you know, in the slums or they grew up on the, you know, eight mile or whatever, you know, and, and, they, and, and now all of a sudden, you know, they've got the record deal and they've got the cars with the big rims and they've got the, you know, and they're, you know, my, my wife, I don't want to. I don't want to like pick on her, but she, they'll always be like someone will drive up next to us and they'll be like blasting their music with their windows down. They're like, she's like, do they know that they're not even that cool? Whatever. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I I know that. I know that they're not that cool. But you know, whatever. I, I get sidetracked. <laughs> I chase that rabbit way too far down the road. And and so so people get like these record deals. Or or what about like uh, like they win the lottery? You know all those statistics. Someone will win the lottery. So all of a sudden, having resources doesn't doesn't ch- change the mindset that they had. They they still live with a with a with a scarcity mindset. They still live with this idea that that I've got to hoard everything. I've got to keep it all to myself. Like like I don't want to lose it even though they've got everything 
And so money doesn't necessarily change the mindset. It's huge. It's more than just having unlimited resources. If I had more money, I would tithe. If I had more money, I would give. If I had more money, I would... Have you ever said that? Or maybe you know somebody. Don't, don't raise your hand if you said that, right? Raise your hand if you, the person sitting next to you said that, right? Raise your hand. Like, I know, I've got a great story, right? The person sitting next to me just said that they're going to tithe when they have enough money, right? Why don't, why don't you do that? You know, it, it's this idea that, that when I have, I'm going to do, right? And the thing is, is that if, if you're not doing it right now, you're not going to do it when you have more money, if you're, not, if you're not like generous with, the, with those in your family and, and those in the community and, and if, if you don't have an unlocked heart to just, to just be a generous person, you're not going to, like when you win the lottery, you're not going to be generous either. You know, and when you get the record label or the record deal, you're not going to be generous then either. When it's this whole deal, like, like if right now you could steward this wealth that you have, then he's going to be able to trust you with true riches. It's the same principle. And so I started to think, you know, how do I start thinking abundantly? How do I get to this place where I'm thinking this way? Because it is huge. If I don't think abundantly, then, then, then my actions aren't going aren't gonna to line up. And so, one, I found out this. Well, I, I have to commit to change. Like in this place right now, you start to recognize, and you feel like, man, Pastor Jonathan's preaching today, and it's pushing my buttons, and I really, I'm squirming, and I want to just run out of here, and, and, uh, and I'm not coming back to this church anymore. Well, if you, I, I want you to at least get this message, because it'll change your life, even if you don't come back. Watch this. You have to start, you have to commit to change. You have to commit to changing the way you think. And the, the best I can understand about committing to change is, is two ways. Number one, repetition. And number two, experience. One is, is if I can just repeatedly start, start just coming into agreement with truth, whether I'm reading the word or whether I'm listening to podcasts or whether I'm surrounding myself with people that think differently than I do, this repetition thing, oftentimes, like, you know, after weeks and after months, all of a sudden, oh, the light bulb goes on, I have the aha moment, it sticks. I'm like, yeah, this is true. But experience is another thing that you have an experience, like for instance, remember when you were a little kid and you touched the hot stove? Like, did anybody have to like train you to not touch it again? Like, no, because you had an experience. In the same way, when we have an experience with the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, there can be a, a dramatic shift in the way we think. When, when you have an experience, like for instance, um, I had some of these crazy mindsets about, you know, like hard work doesn't produce fruit and things. Like, I mean, it was, it was just weird because of the way I grew up. I started realizing that, man, after I put hard work into something, like I got results. And the more I started getting results, the more I started having an experience, like I, like I did something different, all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, like, like it's working, it's actually working. And so my experience that I had by just committing to change, by, by doing something different, um, it started producing fruit in my life. If you have an experience that's contrary to the way you've been believing, you will quickly change the way you think when you have an experience. In, in 1 Kings 17, Elijah, um, the, uh, the Tishbite, he was... Um, there was, there was a lot of stuff going on right at this time. Ahab was king, and he was an evil king. He was evil. I mean, there was all kinds. Of, in fact, he was so evil, he made, he made God angry. And, and so Elijah comes on the scene, and he prophesies over this, over this, uh, this kingdom that there was going to be a drought for seven years. And, 
And, so, and he, says, he says, in fact, in, in verse 1 of chapter 17, there shall not be dew or rain these years except at my word. And he goes on, and, and in um, verse 2 it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward um, and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, um, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And I love that. I love the, just the fact that in the midst of a drought, in the midst of a famine, that the, the way the Lord's going to provide for Elijah is birds. God's, God's heavenly resources are going to be released through some ravens. He, he's going to be by this, by this brook and by this tree. He's going to drink water. And then the ravens, the Bible actually goes on here, and it says that, that the ravens actually brought him meat and bread every day. Is it just me, or is that stinking awesome? I mean, if the Lord can, like, provide through birds meat and bread every day, like, I think he can deal with whatever you're going through. Uh, to me, um, maybe it's just me. I'm just, I, I, get, I get sidetracked by just how the Lord decides. He could have just snapped his fingers and sprinkled a little pixie dust or something, and he chose ravens. And what happened was in this, in this chapter, the, the brook dried up and the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to him again saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And see, Elijah was already used to provision. Elijah saw beyond his natural circumstances. He was already used to birds taking care of him. Who like, it's gonna be fine having a widow take care of him. And, and so he goes to this place, he just follows the word of the Lord, the command of the Lord, and he goes to, he goes to this place and he finds this, this woman, and he says to her, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread. And the thing here that I, that I noticed is that the woman was very willing to go and get him some water. She had water. She was very, very willing to go. She, was, she had more than enough water. I can give you, I can give you water. I can at least give you some water. And, and, and as, the, as the story goes on, she said to him, she says, wait a minute, as, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I do not have any bread. In fact, it goes on, she says, only a handful of flour in a bin and an, and an oil and a little bit of oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself um, and my son that we may eat it and die. Like this happened to be what she thought would be her last meal ever and that they were going to sit there, and that they were just going to die. And so she's like, I can give you some water, but I don't have, I don't have what you're asking for. I, don't, I'm not gonna, I, I mean, if I give you, if I give you this, this bread, that I, I'm gonna, like, that's going to be my last little bit. That's going to be all I have. I started looking at this story, and I started realizing that the Elijah and this woman, they were in the exact same situation. You know, they were, they were in the exact same famine, now she was a widow, and widows in, in that culture, in that um, in that Hebrew culture, they were um, um, they were definitely the poor of the poor. And so she was definitely she was in a worse situation than Elijah, but they were both in a famine. They were both in a similar circumstances of needing food, needing water, and yet I, you see from from Elijah's perspective, like he saw heaven's resources. And from her perspective, she saw lack. There, there was just two different mindsets, two different ways to look at, at the situation that they were going through right now. One experiences abundance and one experiences scarcity.
Jesus tells us how to pray. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we have to ask ourselves, what's, what's it like in heaven? What do you think, what's it look like in heaven? When, if you were to just get a glimpse of, of, of heavenly realities, like there's unlimited, unlimited resources, unlimited amount of joy, unlimited amount of love, unlimited amount of, of uh, yeah, there's, there's finances. There's actually like golden streets. We could like break off a few, you know, bricks and, and probably pay off our mortgage, right? You know, there's unlimited resources. There's all kinds of incredible things. And so as I start to dream and imagine what's in heaven, Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The way it is in heaven, let it be done in this place. There's a, um, there's a man, his name was George Mueller. Anybody ever, ever heard of George Mueller? I'm gonna read a little story to you. Story time with Jonathan. All right, get cozy on in. George Mueller. He's a German who lived and worked in England for almost 70 years. He stands out as one of the most remarkable men of faith of this century. Born September 27, 1805, George was the son of a government tax collector. As a youth, he was, a, he was wild and drunken. Still undisciplined, he began training for the Lutheran ministry at the University of Hale. Then at age 20, in, in a student's prayer meeting, he was converted. George Mueller helped to expose the attitude of complacency in his day and did much to stir a new spirit of caring and faith toward the poor in Bristol, England. His most astonishing achievement was the creation of orphan homes in Bristol, England. Here, 2,000 abandoned children were surrounded with Christian love and given sound doctrine. Before his death, the homes, uh, the homes uh, he had cared for more than 8,000 children, educated them and found them work, and all by faith. His life example was to open himself to prayer, to God's leading, and to trust him for every, uh, to, for every need as it arose. Over and over, remarkable stories of miraculous provision were told, like the time when there was no food in the cupboards, no money in the purse, George seated the children at the lunch tables and asked them to pray for food to eat. That very instant, a truck pulled up to the orphanage property. It was filled with enough food for everyone with some left over. Although he never made any public appeals for funds, all his needs were met, sometimes literally at the last moment. He was able to assert that God had never failed him in the same way, by faith, he maintained schools, distributed literature, and supported missionaries overseas. His influence has lasted long after his death. And listen to this last thing. When asked why he took on such an undertaking of caring for the city's orphans, George replied that his primary intention was to prove without doubt that God would keep his promises. He believed that if he could demonstrate this through his work with orphans, then Christian everywhere Christians everywhere would be led to deeper, more effective faith. I love that. And I love just an example of someone that in the natural looked like there was lack, but in, the, but in heaven's economy, he had everything. Even sitting down at a table saying, God's gonna provide right now, and a whole truck shows up. It's just huge. I wanna speed up and, and tell you the this, this second part. There's, there's only two points today. In case you were thinking there was four or five, there's two points today. Number two is I give generously. One, I think abundantly. Number two, I give generously. 
Abundance says, I'm compelled to be generous. When scarcity says, it's all about me. Sometimes when you give generously by faith, it shifts your mindset. You start to see that not only are there unlimited resources, but I get to be part of the answer. I love this. Not only are there unlimited resources that I get to tap into, but I get to also be part of the answer in other people's lives. Even like what we, with Royal Family, as they showed up today, I love how, you know, I mean, he didn't even know what I was preaching about and all this type of stuff. And, and I started reading about George Mueller, and I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, my goodness, they're here to, you know, this is like, this is a big deal. The Lord connects the dots. But not only do I get to tap into a, an abundance of resources for my life, maybe, maybe God wants me to be part of the answer in somebody else's life. It's a huge deal. And Jesus, Jesus actually put it this way, Matthew 10, verse 8. He says, heal the sick, cleanse the leopards, raise the dead, cast out demons, Freely you have received, freely give. You, you got to hang out with me for at least five more minutes here, guys. Watch. Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. He says, freely you receive, now freely give. He's not even talking about money here. Watch. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Freely you've received, freely give. Healed people are supposed to heal people. Freed people are supposed to free people. When, when, when you've been given something, like this whole deal of abundance in the kingdom, it, it, we, we miss the whole point if we think, oh, this, like I have, I have an abundance of resources. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about money, but, but watch this. You know, you know what I have on my life? I mean, there's, there's anointing on my life. There's, there's health on my life. There's freedom on my life. I've got the fullness. The Bible says I have the fullness of the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords in me. Freely I receive, freely I give. I have to know that even as I lay my hands on somebody, that it's my responsibility to steward all that God has given me. And even right now in this moment, I don't even know, what's your name? Mike. My name's Jonathan. Nice to meet you. All right. Lord, right now, Lord, I just thank you for everything that you've done in my life. Lord, even as a fourth generation minister, Lord, the, the heritage that I, that I walk in where I haven't even, um, I, I don't even have a grid work for um, the, the orphan mentality because I, because I grew up in fourth generation of, of a Christian home and, and a minister's family. And Lord, the, the anointing, the, the generation anointing that, that has rested on my life because of generations of, of men and women of God that have gone before me. Lord, all of that that's rested on me, Lord, I don't even know this man, and I just, I release that over his life right now. Lord, I just thank you for the anointing that you've given me, and freely I receive, freely I give. Lord, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet to the tips of his fingers, Lord, I just come into agreement with the prophetic destiny over this man of God. That there's so much in store for him. Lord, I thank you that you are unlocking unlimited potential, that you are opening up doors and closing doors, that, Lord, even over this next season, that you're making things clear as far as the, the calling of God even on his life and on his family's life. And I thank you that regardless of past and regardless of the, of the things that, um, that, he, that he may have done or done to him and all those different things, Lord, I just thank you that, that right now that you, are, that you have so much in store for the future. Fresh anointing over him, Lord, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. 
Lord, I even just declare just activation, Lord, that there's been things even spoken over his life even years and years ago, prophetic words and impartation and all kinds of stuff that just been kind of laying there. And Lord, we come into agreement with those things right now and I call them front and center. And Lord, I just thank you that there is a season of activation over those things that have been spoken into his life even years ago. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And the thing is, is that, and, and that was real. That was real. But because it's in me, I can release it. Right? Because, because I've, been, I've received, I can give. And yeah, if we can talk about money and all those things, but we're, we're, this, this goes way beyond. This, talk, this is kingdom resources. If, if, uh, you know, if you don't have joy, you can't give joy. If your mindset is that you don't have joy, man, then you can't give, you can't give away what you don't have. And, and then when you do get it, you hoard it to yourself because what if I lose it? If you don't have peace, you can't give away peace. And even if you do get peace, you hoard it to yourself because what if I give it away? I might lose it. And so a mindset of abundance says I've got unlimited resources and it's not just for me, but I actually get to release that. And I feel like I could just like, like, have an altar call and we could just lay hands on everybody right now. This is, this is a big deal. There is so much in you. You know that the Lord doesn't hand out junior Holy Spirits. Man, we, we get in our minds that, that the man up front at the pulpit, like, like he's got some extra special whatever and, and, you know, and yeah, I can pray, but man, you've got it. The fullness of God is in you. You don't get, you don't get junior Holy Spirit, you get the full meal deal. You get the full meal deal. And I commission you to release what's in you. I just kind of just threw out my, the whole rest of my notes. The, Elijah was with this lady and, and, he, and he basically confronted her fear. And, and he said, you give to me first. If you give to me first, your oil and your flour aren't going to run out until the day it rains. I just encourage you guys today that you break free from a mindset of scarcity and you say, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you. My, my situation looks like this. The things I'm going through looks like this. In, in this reality, right now in the natural, it looks like this, but I'm coming into agreement with a different reality because the different reality says there are unlimited resources. And maybe today that means for you that you need to give some joy away when you don't have joy. Maybe you need to give some peace away when you don't have peace. Maybe you need to, to give something away that's in you. Just the full, maybe, you, maybe you've never laid hands on somebody and, and just said, get them, God. And you need to do that today. Maybe you haven't been able to trust God with your finances. And you need to say, okay, God, I'm going to give to you first. I'm going to give to you first. Because I know that when I give to you first, that, man, there is just unlimited, unlimited resources. You know, the... When I'm investing in the kingdom of God, the ROI, the return on investment, man, it's better than any bank could ever give you. Mm. I'm just going to invite Pastor Kelly to come.